Ladies and gents, my name is Brandon Stover. Welcome to the How to Solve Climate Change course from Plato University. Causes, systems, obstacles, solutions to this global challenge is what you're going to learn here today. When you're ready to learn more skills, join us for free at Plato.University. Let's get started with today's lesson. We'll have our expert guests briefly introduce themselves and their credentials for why they are able to speak to this topic. Hi, I'm Genevieve Cullen. I'm the president of the Electric Drive Transportation Association. We're a cross-industry transportation trade association. Uh, we represent the whole value chain of electric drive. I have been uh, the president of this organization for over a decade, and I've been working in the clean transportation space for more than 20 years. Can you explain succinctly what electric vehicles are from first principles? So I will explain it to you as the lawyer and the English major that I am. So electric transportation is anything in which electricity moves the wheels, provides propulsion. And that is battery electric vehicles, hybrid vehicles, which include battery as well as an internal combustion engine, plug-in hybrid vehicle, which is a battery and internal combustion engine, and it has the ability to get energy from the grid or another off-board source. It also includes fuel cell electric vehicles, because what a fuel cell does, it, it creates electricity through application of oxygen to hydrogen. So all of these are forms of electric vehicles. Why would electric vehicles work or help to solve climate change? A mm -hmm. couple reasons. One, by definition, an electric vehicle starts at at least 30% more efficient than an internal combustion engine. So it uses less energy to move about. Second, uh, it is capable of using cleaner electricity. Uh, cleaner energy. So electricity can come from many sources, renewable, fossil, nuclear. In each of those instances, it's more efficient. So has less emissions than an internal combustion engine. But the cleaner the energy source, the cleaner the vehicle is. So today, no matter what, uh, where you are in the country, no matter what your powers, your grid in your area, an EV is cleaner than the average internal combustion engine. And that's today. So, and unlike every other form of machinery, this one gets cleaner and more efficient over time. Looking at the other side of the coin, why would electric vehicles not help to solve climate change or maybe fall short? The only way electric transportation doesn't help to solve climate change is if we don't do it big enough. If we don't get to scale, because in every instance today, if you buy an electric car and you're plugging it in, even if you're doing it in a place where there's coal fires grid, you are you are reducing greenhouse gas emissions. If we do this on scale, we address the largest source of emissions in the United States and and in the world. It's transportation. So this this is the path forward. It's scalable, and it's the only technology at the moment that has has the potential to be scalable. So the only way it doesn't work is if we don't get enough vehicles on the road. So, for instance, we are we're growing fast, right? EVs in the United States, there's like three and a half million on the road, but there are about two hundred and seventy million cars, just cars, in the U.S. car park. They call it. That's the the whole flock of vehicles in the United States. So it's going to take a while 
to turn over that fleet. So also we got to get like replace the existing fleet and add and and replace it with electric vehicles. So it's going to take some time. We've got to build infrastructure. We have to make sure it works in all different applications from micro to macro, right? It's from two wheel to 18 wheels. So there's work to be done and it's it, the only way we don't help reduce greenhouse gas emissions with EVs is if we don't do it. And looking at the stakeholders involved with this, who's going to benefit most with electric vehicles being put in as a solution and who might be harmed most mm-hmm. by electric vehicles as a solution? Well, as far as who benefits the most, that's all air-breathing organisms, right? So all of us who need to, all living beings who need to inhabit a planet that is rapidly warming, though as we reduce greenhouse gas emissions, we, you know, combat climate change. And this is like a substantial and this is a powerful tool in taking on this enormous challenge. It also obviously reduces criteria pollutants, which... Normal speak is that's just dirty air and, and the health and the public cost of, of air pollution is enormous. So cities benefit, drivers benefit from cleaner, quieter transportation that's cheaper to operate and maintain. They save money. So will the governments and businesses whose fleets driving on electricity, they pay less to to fuel them, pay less to maintain them. And it has, and folks are seeing now and have been watching this through, through time, actually, for people who drive for a living, driving electric is much easier on your person. Um, mm-hmm. There's just less not noise and air quality, but also the, the, the smoothness of the ride. It's just, it's less wear and tear on your joints. If, say, if you're a delivery truck driver. So the, um, it's micro and macro. I mean, I, I didn't even get to the point of like, as a nation, we benefit from the fact is that if we finally move away from this over a century global vulnerability to this one commodity, I will go ahead and say its name, oil, which to which we are all, no matter how much we make, we are price takers and we are at the mercy of the the economics and the geopolitics of the global oil market. And so we are, you know, we're more secure. We have a cleaner environment. It's more economically efficient. And if we do this right by investing in the United States, what we get is we establish our leadership in this is the market, the global market of the future. So those are all the folks who benefit, which is pretty much everyone. The people, you know, on the flip side of the coin, you know, there are, you know, if you look at the incumbent industry that fuels fossil transportation, that, yeah, yes, there is change over time. And I think there's folks as there will be economic dislocation as those jobs switch from, you know, the oil ecosystem to an electric transportation ecosystem. But there are, in fact, all of the folks in the uh, many oil companies are essentially energy companies, right? So, the, for instance, you know, Shell is in the business now of, of recharging. People are looking to to provide what is the energy paradigm of the future. 
And that's where businesses will move to. So while there might be economic dislocation, there's also equal and better economic opportunity associated with it. Looking at the parts and how they all work together, how does an electric vehicle work? I don't expect an entire mechanical breakdown, but a general for our audience to understand how these vehicles are different than your average vehicle. So just the basics and when we talk about it, when you think of a traditional car, that's an internal combustion engine and it is exactly what it sounds like. Um, Gasoline is blown up (laughs) inside this, um, inside this, uh, this machine and that energy of that is what, you know, provides the propulsion. There's a lot of intermediate hundreds of pieces that make that happen, but that's the basic thing. It's an explosion of gasoline that moves your vehicle. So in an electric vehicle, what you have is a battery and a motor. So the battery feeds the motor. Sometimes it's multiple motors. They put like four motors on the me- on the wheels. So what you get is, as opposed to gears and explosion, and this sort of like, think of when you put your foot on a gas pedal and you feel um, it move through the gears, right, as it rises. But in an electric vehicle, like a light switch, because electricity is fully where it is, you flip the switch, it's 100% torque immediately, which is why you can get that next snap of a really fast electric car. It's just, it operates, you know, cleaner, more efficiently and without having a series of explosions under your hood. For us to reach that scale that you were speaking of earlier, what innovation and technology or policy needs to be put in place so that we can Mm. do that? I love this question because this is right there in my strike zone. Um, Because the fact is, it is, this is about um, technology and markets and policy. Um, We have, in fact, although I've been doing this for what seems like a long time, but if the leaf and the volt just came to to market at the end of 2009. So it's just been barely a decade that we've been in, you know, had commercially available vehicles. But then, so we are trying to scale and innovate at the same time, which is a mm-hmm. challenge, right? So we have advances in battery technology over the last, in the last decade have been amazing and have beat people's expectations in ways that, you know, even scientific people were, were surprised at. How much, how much cost could be wrung out of the, out of battery production and how much performance could be gained. Just as a, an example, in 2010, the incremental cost of a lithium ion battery was a thousand dollars a kilowatt hour. Now that number is under 200. And I think it's might be under one now. The markets are not. 100% 100% transparent on that. But the fact is, so batteries are cheaper and they are performing better, getting more range out of them, getting more durability out of them. And that, but that technology is continuing to evolve. Folks are looking at different chemistries and looking at solid state batteries, looking at sodium based batteries, which would have, have greater range or great, greater durability. So we're going to keep innovating on, on that side. At the same time, you know, charging infrastructure, we need a lot, right? That market needs to grow. We need to deploy that. It needs to be, it needs to be highly visible and equitable and ubiquitous. We probably need less infrastructure than people 
think we do. But at this beginning part, folks need to be able to see it. They want the com- confidence that no matter what, I'm going to be able to charge my card. They probably won't need to, but they want to be able to, they would. So we really need to build out charging. And as you know, this administration has made huge investments, $7.5 billion in interstate charging investments, you know, which would be part of a private, you know, accompanied by private investment. There's also tax incentives for, for deploying EV charging at homes and businesses and in, in public places. So we need to build that marketplace and we need to make sure that there are consumers understand what electric transportation is because there's still a lot to learn. Um, and finally, we need in the policy side of this, we need all of our policies to be pointing in the same direction, to be advancing technology and investing in R&D and making it reinforcing private investment in infrastructure and in expanding U.S. production so that there are we need all of these pieces because we are actually going to have to we are building a whole ecosystem, a supply chain. So we need you know, the immediate, like a consumer tax incentive, yes, but we also need R&D policy so that can help us um, diversify our supply chains through all the components and materials. And speaking of those materials, a concern that uh, comes up a lot is the sourcing of rare earth materials for batteries and whatnot. What does mm-hmm. it look like now and for the future in that concern? We know, there is a lot of, there's a lot of tension, attention being paid to the materials supply chain for EVs. In many ways, it's it's not different. You know, there, the lithium in your battery in your phone is is not is not different. It's just about a question of scale. But there are, as we build this value chain for EVs, and what we hope to be, you know, if we get to the scale we want, yes, there will be greater demand for these materials. And what that's going to take is threefold. Uh, you've noticed I like threes. So first, we need to innovate in away from materials that are technically, environmentally, or economically unsustainable, right? You know, the way we did it with catalytic converters and, and platinum in them, right? That like, all right, let's, let's innovate away from challenging materials. And that's already happening. There are there are there are motors that don't use rare earths. They're that because rare earths go to the magnets, right? In the in the motor, not the battery. The the lithium and and cobalt go to go to our battery materials. So it's innovation. It's also it's a policy, and it's a, uh, about reduce, reuse, replace, recycle. So all of these valuable materials, we need to retrieve them and give them secondary and tertiary life, like lead acid batteries are 99% recycled. And that's what we should be aiming for in batteries too. And based on the value of those materials, I I think you can expect that that industry to grow as well. And finally, yes, you know, in extractive industries, everyone has to do better. That it needs to be, there needs to be transparency, accountability, and we need, and the fact is the world is really watching us build this supply chain. So unlike some of our predecessors who have been sort of working in these extracting spaces uh, for a long time, we're coming at this to build a new paradigm, right? That it is about ethical 
and sustainable supply chains in every sense of that word. What are the best resources to learn more about EVs in relation to climate change? So yes, um, so we have we have a consumer facing website that's that's called goelectricdrive.org. But the Department of Energy has a really good sort of beginners like walkthrough of the technology and why and benefits. Um, and it's called the Alternative Fuels Data Center. If you just go to the Department of Energy's website, it, you'll find your way there. The EPA and Department of Energy also maintain something called fueleconomy.gov. And that has a lot of really cool tools where you can compare, like if I wanted a car that had these attributes and this much electric range, and you could compare it to other vehicles on the market and um, what you would save in gas, what, what sort of the comparison in range and cost. So that's, that's a really useful site to look at. You can also go to the Union of Concerned Scientists. They've done a lot of great research doing the sort of, I guess, well, wheels isn't the right analogy anymore, but a life cycle emissions analysis of electric transportation. They've done it for years and they update it regularly. So it's, they've done great research there and they can also sort of track through like by your own zip code. What does it look like where you live? Right now, you're speaking to passionate students who want to actually solve problems like these. What top three skills should they study so that they actually have the ability to do so? Thank you for letting me go after this three thing one more time, right? So building this, the EV value chain, it's a matter of technology. It's a matter of markets and it's a matter of policy. So we need a lot of toolkits. So in the technology side, yes, engineers and people who can can make all of these technologies work better. I'm, I'm thinking of the folks who are going to make dynamic inductive charging. Essentially, that's a, you know, roads that charge your car as you drive. Mm. Right? So, so there's, there's a lot of exciting innovation to be done there. We also need, you know, market development. So we need folks who are savvy about how do we, how do we build a marketplace? How do we make the economics of this work? How do we talk to consumers? Cause that's, this, you know, this doesn't work if you don't buy that. And finally, the policy side. This is about taking all of those other smarts that scientific and, and business acumen and making that persuasive and visible to people in the policy, policy sphere. What do we need to do about this and how do we do it and why does it matter? So those, those communication skills that really help policymakers to see what needs to come next. They're all parts of it. So I, I can hardly think of a skill that will be needed here. Any final recommendations for the audience? I would only ask that you do your homework. We see a lot of sort of misinformation or just some, sometimes it's just not well thought out. Sometimes it's carefully designed to be misleading. So when you read about growing the EV market. And there's a lot of folks bringing us a whole lot of your energy. Oh, we'll never make it. Um, not true. And, you know, look, look who's writing those papers and, and, and do your homework. Be a, a thoughtful consumer of information. And that's really important. To observe just how far electric transportation options have come, plan a day's transportation using only electric options like an electric vehicle, electric bike, or public transit. Outline your route, charging needs, and any challenges encountered. 
reflect on the feasibility of transitioning to electric transportation. Thank you for taking the How to Solve Climate Change course. If you want to learn the skills to solve this global challenge, join us for free at Plato.University for exclusive content, extra resources, and actionable exercises with every lesson. This course was produced by Plato University, where students turn passions into purpose and learn skills to change the world. Learn more at Plato.University.